often within what is termed the missional movement. What has been attempted in the creation of missional communities or families on mission is people from a church will throw a lasso around a group of other people at their church, and they'll call that a missional community. In their mind, who knows what they're thinking, they're signing up for, but they sign up for it, and then they send those people off to go live in a bunch of ways that they've never seen modeled, and now they're supposed to talk their families and a bunch of not-yet-believing neighbors into living in ways that are new and seem to require a new level of commitment. They've never seen it. They don't know what they're doing. They're just called missional. And now their family doesn't live these rhythms, but we're going to go talk a bunch of other people into it. And so often that fails miserably. And the most common things we hear from folks who've been run through that mill is either, hey, we tried that missional thing and it didn't work here, not for our people. Or we'll hear, well, hardly anyone from our church, including the pastors and elders, wanted to live this way and engage with us beyond a weekly meeting when it fit their schedule. If that describes you or your past experience, you probably labored under the false assumption that those fellow churchgoers were people of peace in your life. We made that mistake early on too. And that has huge implications for discipleship and living as a family together on mission. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Thanks for the handoff there, Heath. Glad to be back with you. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the podcast. I'm excited to be here with you. We are just getting into a little staycation here with Team K. We've been having a lot of fun this summer, but uh, we're kind of doing a little staycation, enjoying the local area, I guess, a bunch, because where we live, it is that beautiful, and doing all the kind of crazy stuff that uh, you get to do with the grandkids. Uh, we're looking forward to setting up that tent and doing a little backyard camping. Haven't done that in a long time. We did it with our own kids, but we haven't done it with them yet. Anyway, we're having a great time. I hope you are also out there and living the dream. All right. Hey, I want to read a couple more reviews that came in in the last few weeks. Thank you so much for those of you who have left a review and given a rating. These reviews come in through Apple Podcasts, and that's generally where we see them. But uh, thank you wherever you're listening. And if the podcast world that you do listen in allows you to leave reviews. It helps other people find the show as well. Uh, here's one from Taping578. It looks like they say, good news, five stars, thank you. This is gold. I've heard a lot of people talk about Christianity and what it means or looks like to follow Jesus, and not all of it sounds good. The message Caesar brings is actual good news for everyone in all of life. It's so freeing to hear him speak and has challenged and deepened my walk with Jesus and my discipleship of others. Thank you. Thank you, brother. It's a great review. Thanks. It's humbling, and I'm glad that what we're doing is hitting the mark and encouraging you. Here's another one from Bully, and then a whole bunch of numbers. I'm not sure who it is. It says, uh, headline is Practical, Helpful Podcast for Everyday Disciples of Jesus. Yep, there it is. Five stars. Again, thank you so much. It says, I heard CK, I guess that's me, Cesar Kanowski, uh, speak years ago in Lexington, Kentucky, and that was a catalyst for helping me and my congregation get on a missional journey where we now teach Every disciple of Jesus is on a mission every day, 
wherever we live, learn, work, or play. This podcast is great to catch others up on that mission and always gives me new things to consider and new ways to bless. Thank you for that. I remember being in Lexington, and uh, I love it when we get to come to your cities and bring some of the same training in live with your people. Something to consider. If you want to do that, let me know. I'm happy to do that. We do a lot of it every year. Also, I want to invite you to join us over on Facebook if you are the Facebook type and are perusing that once in a while. If you will look up the Everyday Disciple podcast, we have a group there of people. You can join that. I'd love it if you would. This is where you can contact us real easy, ask any questions, throw out ideas for new episodes, share your own missional journey. You'll be able to find that. Or you can just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook. And if your Facebook's already logged in, it'll take you boop right to the group and you just join it. Okay. Thank you so much for that. All right, let's get started with uh, today's discussion, and we're going to talk about people of peace, but from a little bit of a different perspective. Let me set a little groundwork first, though, as we get started. Often within what is termed the missional movement, so uh, the movement of churches trying to be much more on mission out in the neighborhoods, out in real life, making disciples as a lifestyle, everything we talk about here, often what has been attempted in the creation of missional communities or communities on mission, families on mission, is people from a church will throw a lasso around a group of other people at their church, and they'll call that a missional community, okay? Just throw a lasso around them, I guess so, and they, in their mind, who knows what they're thinking, they're signing up for, but they sign up for it, and then they send those people off to go live in a bunch of ways that they've never seen modeled, and now they're supposed to talk their families and a bunch of not-yet-believing neighbors into living in ways that are new and seem to require a new level of commitment. Yeah, so they don't, they've never seen it. They don't know what they're doing. They're just called missional. And now their family doesn't live these rhythms, but we're going to go talk a bunch of other people into it. So, including my family. And so often that fails miserably. And the most common things we hear from folks who've been run through that mill is either, uh, hey, we tried that missional thing and it didn't work here, not for our people. Or we'll hear, well, our family, our family was really starting to embrace this lifestyle, but hardly anyone from our church including the pastors and elders, wanted to live this way and engage with us beyond a weekly meeting when it fit their schedule. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If that describes you or your past experience, you probably labored under the false assumption that those fellow churchgoers were people of peace in your life. We made that mistake early on too. And that has huge implications for discipleship and living as a family together on mission. It's a false assumption to believe that the church, your church, my church, is filled with Christians, so therefore they must be people of peace and want to live on mission. Well, I wish that were so. It's not always the case, certainly not for every Christian. Now, real quick, I want to just describe what a person of peace is. Now, I do full episodes on this. You can just Google it, everydaydisciple.com people of peace, you'll find it. I've talked deep into this, but real quick as a reminder, how do you identify people of peace in your life is, and everyone has them by the way, but you're, you're looking for people who you sort of have an easy natural bond in chemistry with. They're people who are leaning into a relationship with you, not leaning away, but they're leaning towards you. Yeah. They're always up for hanging out. Often those same people look to serve you. They just want to bless you. We've had people in our life that are clearly people of peace and that felt like they just blessed us so much more than we ever blessed them. 
and they they initiated being together with us and they and people of peace are interested or at least not turned off by your faith and your lifestyle they're kind of interested in who you are they like you that's the thing and uh that's what you when you see that those are easy people to hang out with okay and you're looking for people who receive and return a blessing. That's what a person of peace does. You take that right back to Jesus' teaching in Luke. So when you find them, stick with them, right? Those are easy people to do life with and hang out with. They want to, right? And proximity is big, so it makes it a lot easier to find those people and be with those people if there's some proximity in your life. And, and let me throw out a few foundational thoughts about people of peace and finding them and the importance of all that real quick. I got like five little ideas here. First, you must live as a person of peace in order to attract and find your people of peace. So if you're not looking to build friendships, you're not out and around, you're not in the neighborhood, you're not having people around, you don't accept invitations to other people's things. If you're not living as a person of peace, you're probably not going to attract or find your own people of peace. Now, second, you can only truly disciple people of peace. Yeah, maybe it sounds obvious, but you can only disciple those that trust you and want to be in your life. You can't talk those neighbors who don't want to hang out at all and aren't interested in Christianity or Jesus or anything to do with you into being disciples. It's not going to happen. Never did. Jesus didn't do it that way. Paul didn't do it that way. Third, not everyone you meet or who likes you is going to be a person of peace in your life. I've got lots of friends that aren't people of peace. They're just friends and we talk about the weather or go to a ball game or have some fun together, but they don't lean in to a lifestyle with us of blessing others and walking in the ways of Jesus, okay? Fourth, people of peace, as I just described, the kind of people you're looking for, are both found outside your church circles and inside your church. I think when we first started understanding this people of peace concept, that's who we're looking for and that's who we get to disciple. We always assumed those were out, you know, our neighbors, they're outside, they're not yet believers, they're lost people, they're out there. And uh, that's not the case. They're inside your church too. But number five here, not every Christian is a person of peace and wants to live a lifestyle of discipleship. That's really the meat of what we're going to talk about today. Okay. If you need to stop, pause, rewind, and listen to that whole, who's a person of peace? What am I looking for? And sort of these foundational thoughts, go for it. But now I'm going to dive deeper into this idea that you want to have the Christians and find those people of peace as well, but not all Christians will be people of peace. Now, I want to look at a few statistics to back up my claims that not all Christians are, and maybe even some of the reasons why, okay? I want to show you the levels of engagement that Christians have with their faith and community outside of a weekly church service, and then we'll go from there to how many are actually disciple makers. Now, according to a now, a 2020 survey by the Pew Research Group, they found that 52% of U.S. Christians say they are very engaged in their faith practice outside of church services and programs. Okay, now this is a U.S. study. I don't know exactly what the statistics are in every other country, but they're probably not all that different or south of that number. I don't know. But that's the most recent one from Pew Research. 52% of U.S. Christians would say that they're very engaged in their faith practice. Now, Let's break that down. Here's some additional statistics they've given on how many Christians are really super engaged. It says that 64% of Christians report that they pray every day, okay? 
64%, a little better than half, at least they say they pray. Now, 52% of Christians say they read the word, they read the Bible at least once a week. Okay, numbers coming down. 42% of Christians say they volunteer for a religious organization, so they're serving in some way, once in a while at least. And 38% of Christians say they attend a religious retreat or conference at least once a year. Okay, so maybe that sounds good. Maybe that sounds bad. You, I don't know. Slice and dice that how you want. Sounds pretty realistic. But notice how much of these very engaged Christians, by their own sort of you know, estimation, uh, are actually connected to their faith in ways that include others outside of their church or particular faith community. It's all about how they pray every day or not even all of them do 64% and read the word at least once a week and things like that, or a religious retreat. Hmm. Now, here's another statistic. I'm, I'm building the case here for kind of why we're at where we're at with how many Christians are really people of peace. According to a 2020 survey by the Barna Group, only 14% of U.S. Christians are actively involved in disciple-making outside of church services and programs. Only 14% outside of, okay, out of church services in their programs. This means that the vast majority of Christians are not actively involved in helping others find Christ and grow in their faith. Now, sort of side note here, the survey also found there's a pretty big difference in disciple-making involvement among different denominations of Christians. For example, 22% of white evangelical Protestants say they're actively involved in disciple-making compared to 10% of mainline Protestants the survey found, in 6% of Catholics. Hmm. Now, there are probably lots of reasons, but there are definitely some reasons why so few Christians are actively involved in disciple-making. Okay, one reason is that they may not know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Pretty common. Um, disciple-making is a skill that takes time to practice and to develop. you got to give your life basically away. Now, another reason is that Christians may not feel like they have the time or the resources to invest in disciple-making. That's a big one. We hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. And then finally, many Christians are simply not that interested in making disciples. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah, there's a a, a huge percentage. Uh, They're just not even that interested in it. It's not even a thing for them. They got their afterlife upgrade, and that's where they're at. Now, this, though, reminds me, that kind of like thinking, that reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew uh, 7, 21 to 23. Now, this is from the message, but I love it. He goes, um, he says, knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. This is Jesus talking. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. And he goes on, he says, I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You didn't impress me one bit. You're out of here. <laughs> wow. Another translation says, but I never knew you. Hmm. Yeah. So pretty stark statistics on how many Christians are actually trying to engage in discipleship and the rest are maybe just either doing nothing or they're just busy with sort of Christian activity stuff. I don't know. Now, there are some barriers to discipleship and making new disciples. Here are just kind of to 
set the plate here a little fuller, here are a few of the most common people report. And I, I hear all these all the time. Lack of time, like I already mentioned. Uh, many Christians don't feel like they have enough time to invest in discipleship, disciple-making. They're busy with work, family, other commitments. Mm-hmm. So me, me, mine. Okay. A fear of rejection. That's huge. Some Christians are afraid of the rejection they might receive if they try to engage people in disciple-making. Who am I? Maybe they won't receive it. I couldn't bear them not liking me, so I won't try. Uh, they're afraid of being judged or whatever. Uh, lack of skills. So some Christians just know they don't know how to disciple others. Uh, may, they may not be comfortable talking about their faith, or they may not know how to help others grow in their faith, or they lack the confidence to do that. And many lack uh, feel like they have a lack of support. They don't have the support they need from their own church or community to be successful in disciple-making. And that's real common. That's real common. It's probably why we have so many folks we we coach and that we mentor because they're like, I'm not getting that type of support and skills at home. Now, I'm just about done with statistics, but you see where this is going. This is why I'm saying not all Christians are people of peace. You can't just throw a lasso around them and think you're going to have this vibrant missional community making loads and loads of disciples. Now, according to a 2019 survey by Lifeway Research, only 20% of evangelical Christians say that they were adequately and comprehensively discipled in their faith. 20% would say they are. They were. Now, we gotta, you got to take these numbers against the other numbers of just how many of, of the whole pie are even engaged. Now, only 20% of Christians would say they were adequately dis- discipled. Now, um, there are a number of reasons for this, too, why so few Christians feel like they were really adequately discipled. Um, one reason is that discipleship's not been a priority in many churches. Churches often focus on evangelism and worship, but they neglect discipleship. I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm preaching the choir here. Another reason why so few Christians feel like they were really discipled is that discipleship's often done poorly. Many churches use ineffective old school methods of discipleship, like lecture-style teaching, or they think the preaching alone will get that done. Preaching's not discipleship. It adds to it. It complements it. It's a different gift. It's a different thing. Or their church used a one-size-fits-all program. There was lots of passing on of head knowledge without life-on-life working it out. And then finally, another reason why Christians don't feel like they've been discipled is, uh, uh, as I mentioned, is many Christians simply don't want to be discipled. They're content with their current level of faith. They're happy with having secured that afterlife upgrade ticket to heaven, and they don't see a need for further growth or commitment. But boy, all of that has huge implications. Ask yourself, how many Christians do you know? Or let me ask you, how many do you know? Or how many of the folks who go to your same church do you think are people of peace? People who are actively leaning into discipleship relationships, either with you or others and with not yet believers? Or how many of those people at your church would be open to being in a missional community, like a real missional community, like a family on mission with you, and both be discipled and learn to make more disciples of Jesus? Given all of these statistics and where everybody's at, how many people in your church do you think really want to live that way? They're truly people of peace. 20% of them? No way. 10, 5%? Yeah, it's crazy. 
If only 20% of Christians say that they were actually adequately discipled, comprehensively discipled in the gospel, in the faith, and most of Christians don't even understand what true discipleship is, so that number's probably less, well then how are Christians and pastors who've never been fully discipled in light of the gospel in every of their life going to be effective disciple makers? Yeah, that's why when looking for people of peace, I always say you don't want to discount the discipling of the saints. Most Christians have never been discipled. But again, remember, you can only disciple people of peace in your life. If someone doesn't desire to spend the time to walk with you in the ways of Jesus and learn his words and his walk, and all, you cannot disciple them. Now, all of this really comes down to a gospel problem or a gospel issue. If our gospel is so small and it's primarily about getting out of hell and, and then sort of sin management and behavioral modification until we get to heaven, if it's that small, and Jesus doesn't talk about it that way ever, then it's just what it kind of leads to. But, but when we grasp both the power of the gospel that sets us free to be who God created us to be and the purpose of the gospel where he's filling the whole world with his glory through these image-bearing family members now, us, <laughs> powered by his spirit. And I, I talk deep about that. I did a two-part uh, little mini-series just several episodes back on both how and why God saves us, the power and the purpose. If we don't fully understand that, go back and listen to that. If we don't fully understand that, this is what leaves us with like, well, I'm just kind of waiting for heaven and trying to sin less, and I don't really have time for this. And it's what leads to the frustration of when you go, wow, I was trying to get all these people in our church on board, and I can't. I can't even get the leadership on board, the elders. I'm having a hard time finding one other family that lives anywhere near us from this church, our church, that wants to live like a family and give their lives to people and walk in the ways of Jesus and invite others to do that with us. I also want to say, if you don't, because remember, you can only disciple people of peace, and if you don't do that, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get upset about it. You're going to give up on it. Like I said, right at the beginning, people say, well, we tried that. No, the problem was you didn't have people of peace in your life. And maybe, based on the statistics, maybe not also the skills and the support to do that. So fair enough. You can't just make it up if you've never done something, seen it, experienced it. Very hard to pass it on. <laughs> okay? But I also want to set you free in some things here. You will probably have to release certain relationships with people, people that you love, people that are great people that are awesome Christians from your church who are not open to being discipled and living on mission. Because if not, you'll spend all your time in that holy huddle. And, you know, whenever it fits our schedule, we kind of get together. But we take the summers off and we, we're studying when we get together midweek in our small group, we're studying the sermon notes and just sort of regurgitating what we heard on Sunday. And, you know, it's like you've got to release yourself. I want to release you now to... Give your best time to your people of peace. We still love everyone, and, and we want them to get on board. We want them to live the calling God's given them on their life, to be disciples who make disciples. But if they're not ready for that, or they're not your person of peace, you know, leaning into relationship with you and liking you and wanting to do life, then you've got to release them. Otherwise, you're just going to be stuck in a quagmire of people-pleasing and lackluster movement forward and, and things like that. You're not being evil. You're not being weird there. 
oftentimes people say, yeah, but then who's going to love them or who's going to pull them for? If you'll make disciples of the people of peace, both believers and not yet believers in your life, you'll actually be creating mature believers who will serve as more and more yeast, yeast in that dough, just that'll help those other people. So those sort of content to go to church 1.3 times a month and do sin management and behavioral modification until heaven comes or Jesus gets back or you you need more yeast in the dough but right now you get to you need to focus on the people of peace in your life and know that most of the Christians in your church are not going to be people of peace there's no way to put numbers on this but from my experience from Tina and I's experience in community and with the hundreds of people thousands probably that we've coached in this lifestyle most functioning healthy missional communities are going to probably have about a 70 75% not yet believers sort of walking and starting to walk in the ways of Jesus and maybe 20 25% or something like that believers from their church involved in it. And that might be on the high end of the believer side of it. It it just seems that so many Christians were sort of brought into this whole thing through such a small minimalized gospel about them and their happiness and and their forgiveness and their peace and their happy afterlife, that when you start to talk to them about giving their life away to be a part of the purpose of the gospel that Jesus has come to send us to fill the world with his glory and what his father's like, they're just like, no, that's not what I signed up for. But some do. If you're listening to this podcast, you're more than likely that's you. You're living this way or you're growing in this or you're wanting to. So but I just want to release you. You're not forsaking anybody if you don't just keep placating people who don't want to live this way, (laughs) okay? You really can only disciple people who want it, okay? I think I've said that clear enough now. I've talked about people of peace in the past, but I've never specifically talked to this degree about Christians and which ones are people of peace and why is this such this way, even from their own assessment in these surveys. Okay, so um, let me flesh this out even a little bit more in the big three today. I really thought through this. I want to, these are going to be rich. So here's the big three takeaways from today's topic. You can always get these as a printable PDF if you just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three forward slash B-I-G three. Okay, everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Here's the big three for this week. Number one, God has absolutely placed people of peace in your life for you to disciple. 100%. Look for people who are leaning into relationship with you. They want to hang out and do more and more life together. Look for people that you have a natural chemistry with, people of peace who are looking to serve you and reach out to be with you. You're not having to initiate everything. And they're interested in your faith and your lifestyle. They're not put off by it. Number two, this is really what we talked about the whole time. Not everyone who claims to be a Christian is a person of peace. Remember that passage from Matthew 7. 21 to 23, Lord, Lord, you know, we did all this church stuff and ministry activity in your name. And then Jesus tells him, yeah, but I never knew you. That busyness was all about you doing things to look good to other Christians or feel like you earned my love and favor. Making disciples of Jesus is the only mission of the church. Christians who are not leaning into discipleship as a lifestyle and primary focus of their lives in churches are missing their calling. And they're certainly not living as people of peace. And number three, 
you can only disciple people who ultimately want to be discipled and in turn help disciple others. Otherwise, you're just trying to convince people something they don't they haven't embraced yet. You can only truly disciple people that trust you and want to be in your life. It is imperative if you're serious about making disciples that you focus your best effort and time being with your people of peace. If you try and make everyone happy and move at the pace of those that don't truly want to live Jesus' life today, you'll find yourself frustrated with your progress and frustrated with people. Small is big, slow is fast, and multiplication always wins. So give yourself a break. Focus on your people of peace. Okay, well, that's enough for today. I hope that that encourages you and challenges you and ultimately releases you in in some ways that maybe you needed to hear today, experience today. Please join me next week. I have some really cool guests in the podcast with me. Dr. Kent Engel and Steve Saccone, they've written a really cool discipleship guide, almost like a playbook. I'm really excited about that. And I can't say that about a lot of resources, but it's called Made for More. We're going to have them both on and they're going to unpack a little bit about that, but they're also going to kind of take, it's kind of interesting how this worked out. They're going to take what we talked about today a little bit further. Yeah, really. Not necessarily from the people of peace standpoint, but about who and why true Christians actually do engage discipleship. And, And they're brilliant. They're brilliant. I think you're going to love it. I hope you'll join me for that. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.